All right, we're going to be in the book of John this morning, chapter 1. I will read one verse for you, and then you can sit back down. But I would like to ask you to stand to reverence the reading of God's Word, if you're able to do so. If you're not, remain comfortable. The book of John, chapter number 1, and verse number 17. If you have it, say amen. If you need me to wait, say wait. All right, no takers. Here we go. John 1:17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Can you read it with me out loud one more time? For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Thank you, and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today, I would normally introduce the title of a sermon by saying, My assignment is to give you this word. But today, I want to rephrase that, and I want to tell it to you this way. Your assignment is to give them Jesus That's my title. Your assignment is to give them Jesus. The law was given by Moses. We're all good at quoting the Ten Commandments. We're all wonderful at pointing out the problems of the world and reminding people of how dirty, low-down, and rotten sinners they are. And though all that is true, Jesus came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to enforce an old covenant that would never make men righteous. The Old Testament, the law of Moses was given, and it is essential to understand the truth of the gospel. But it was a schoolmaster, you might say a stepping stone, to introduce us to not the problem, but the solution. So when you present the gospel to this lost world, yes, they need to know that they are found in sin. They do need to know that unless they repent, they shall all likewise perish but always do so by leading them to grace and the forgiveness of God found only through Jesus Christ. Sometimes we give this world the impression that not only are they without hope without Christ, but that there's no hope for them. You you can lead someone into thinking that, well, that church or that Christian don't really care about me. And we are so quick sometimes uh, to remind the world of all the mess that they're in. And sometimes we forget the mess that God brought us out of. Amen. And were it not for the grace of God, there we would go. Amen. We would be in the same shape and in the same mess that they're in. And so my message to you and your assignment as you work with me to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ is to simply give them Jesus. He is their hope. He is their answer. 
He is their solution. And if you think great, they need a little more grind than they do grace, then you're going to have to ask God uh, to reverse what He did at Calvary because Calvary was all about bringing grace to an otherwise graceless situation. The law was given to prove that you were guilty, to find you guilty before God and declared uh, to be without Christ, without hope, and, and, and then you are to be introduced to Christ. So here's what Jesus did. Jesus came and lived a perfect life. That is, He fulfilled the laws and the requirements of His heavenly Father in the flesh. He's the only man that ever has been or ever will be on this earth that was lived a perfectly sinless life. Not only was he sinless, but he didn't even have the capability of sinning because he was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. And God cannot lie, and God cannot sin. So Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He didn't come because the law had no uh, importance or significance. He came to be the fulfillment of that law. And here's the beauty of grace. If you'll come to Jesus Christ with all of your sin and admit to God that you're a sinner and in need of a Savior and receive forgiveness for your sins, Jesus will not only forgive you of your sins, but He'll wrap you up in His robe of righteousness. And it will not be your good works that gets you into heaven. It will be the righteousness of Jesus Christ Himself that was added to your account that washed your sins away. What people need is not more law. They need more grace. Now, you may need to tell them you're found wanting, but you also need to tell them, oh, but that's not the, that's not the best part. The best part is there's hope, there's a remedy, there's a cure. You don't have to face God on judgment day in all of your sin. You don't have to face the judge of the universe without a lawyer. You can have Jesus Christ to be your advocate and your lawyer to represent your case before a holy God. And I thank God that one day when I stand before Him on judgment day, that Jesus will be my lawyer and He's never took a, a case that He's ever lost. Amen. And when He takes my case before the great judge, He's going to look to the Father and say, paid in full, case dismissed, this one's mine. He's washed, He's cleansed, and He can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord, not because of what Gary Caudle did to keep the law, but because what Jesus did to keep it on my behalf. Somebody shout amen this morning. Hallelujah. You can clap when you get a little happy if you want to. Amen. That's all right. <laughs> hey, if you hear some your neighbor clapping, go ahead and join in with them. Encourage them a little bit. Amen. Don't let them clap alone. Praise the Lord. The law was given by Moses. That was important. But that wasn't even half the story. You think about it like this, I heard a preacher explain it this way. You have train tracks, and then you have the locomotive that sits on the train tracks. The law was the track that laid down the holiness of God. But the locomotive is what's going to get us to God. And that's Jesus Christ. Amen. What did the Bible say again? The law was given by Moses, but what came through Jesus Christ? Grace and, and truth. One more note before I go on to my sermon. Uh, <laughs> uh, there are facts about my past 
that if you knew about those facts, you would come to your own conclusion about what you think of me. But just because you have facts on me don't mean you know the whole truth. Because everybody can be creative in their interpretation of what actually happened. Amen. Amen. We, we call it discernment, but it's really just creative interpretation. Which leads more to deception than it does discernment a lot of times. Hear, hear me and hear me well. Uh, you may have the facts, some of the facts on me, but you don't have the truth. You don't know the whole story. And I can say the same if I know some things about you, if I ever discover things about you that you hope that, I, that God, that I don't ever find out about you. Don't worry about all that. There may be some things that happened that are factual events in your life. But grace and truth came by Jesus. He came to change your story. He came to change your story. And when Jesus speaks truth over you and speaks forgiveness over you, your past is gone, baby. Amen. And the facts may be true, but Jesus' gospel is even true. Yeah, give God some praise and glory this morning. Grace and truth came by Jesus. He spoke His truth over me. And now I stand in His presence, redeemed, washed, cleansed, forgiven, full of hope and faith, uh, I am as righteous as Jesus Christ Himself, not because I'm righteous, but because His righteousness has been added to my account. And I'm afraid that there are a lot of people sitting on the church pews today that are banking on their good deeds and their faithful church attendance and their giving to get them through the pearly gates of heaven. But the Bible says, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. The Bible says there is no good, no one that is good, no, not one. Uh, me and you both could take a running start and try to jump the Grand Canyon and some of you who are slimmer and lighter could get a little closer to the other side than me, but we're both going to die because we both fell short. Can I get an amen? Now, Jesus Christ is the only one that made the difference. And if you bank on yourself to get to God's standard of righteousness, you will fail and you will fail miserably and you'll be found guilty before God. But if you'll put your hope in Jesus Christ, you'll make the distance because he already made it for you. Somebody say amen. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And that is the gospel in essence. Let me hurriedly give you a couple of things. Luke chapter 4 and verse 17, Jesus stood in the temple reading the Scripture, reading the scrolls of, of the book of Isaiah chapter 61. And He said, uh, uh, the Bible said, There was delivered unto Him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when He had opened the book, He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Glory to God. I could shout on that one right there. Uh, I'm glad that He made me accepted in the Beloved. Amen. Uh, he came to preach how I could be accepted before God. Uh, they done heard the message from the, the scribes and the Pharisees and how guilty they were and how dirty they were and how indebted they were and they'll never dig themselves out of their unrighteousness. They done heard that old stale, dry, amen, man-made religious preaching. Uh, they had their fill with it, but Jesus came to give them hope. Jesus came to give them light. Jesus came to give them life. And Jesus came to show them how they could become accepted in the eyes of God. Amen. And the Bible said He closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. 
and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. I'd say so. Uh, they ain't never heard no preaching like this. They never heard somebody get up and tell them, yeah, you're guilty, but he still loves you. They never heard nobody say, uh, you don't have to keep all them laws anymore if you'll just put your faith in me. They never heard anybody or seen anybody touch the blinded eye and make them see or, or speak uh, to the dead and make them raised again. Uh, this man was different. This gospel was different. This message was different. And Jesus uh, preached essentially himself to them. He gave Gave himself to an otherwise hopeless congregation. And so I see here that Jesus fulfilled the, the prophecy of the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. And now's where I need my Bible. I don't have all this in my iPad. <laughs> I'm going to go to Isaiah 61. Now, I want to point out three things quickly for us that Jesus did. That he illustrates. I told you that I'm giving you an assignment today. So let's look what Jesus fulfilled. Isaiah 61. And we're going to read uh, Isaiah's rendition of what Jesus fulfilled. Verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, not to step on them, not to break them even more, not to remind them of what they already know, that they're broken, but to bind them up, to proclaim not, uh, not imprisonment, but liberty. There's that word liberty. If you're looking for a Fourth of July message, here it is. <laughs> I am free in Christ. Amen. To proclaim liberty to the captives. I remember on September the 9th, of 1990 when I was just an 11-year-old boy. And I was imprisoned in my sin. But Jesus came with the key of love and unlocked that door of that prison and opened it up and said, you can go free today <laughs> to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, mm, to appoint Unto them that mourn in Zion to give, oh, I can't see my words. <laughs> Unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why the men make religion so lethargic and dry as cracker juice? You can laugh. Why do we make it so stale and rigid and deathly formal sometimes? We're supposed to be holy and happy. We let our striving to be holy rob us of our joy. And God said, I came not just to make you holy, but I came to make you happy. Now, if you don't believe that, read this verse again. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy. If that ain't happiness, I don't know what is. Now, I know there's a difference for all of you that know your vocabulary. There's a difference between joy and happiness. I want you to get the essence of what I'm saying. That God came to change things. You don't have to live 
under fear of condemnation anymore if you will put your faith in Christ. And if that don't make you full of joy, I don't know what will. I remember before I got saved, sometimes I would think about hell while I was trying to go to sleep, and I didn't sleep very well those nights. I would think about what if the Lord Jesus came back and raptured out His church and I was left behind, and that didn't bring me much joy. But oh, the joy that flooded my soul the day that He saved me and put joy down in me. And I can rejoice today because my sin debt has been paid. And you can too if you've never trusted Him as your Savior. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called. Look what He calls us. The trees of what? Righteousness. I I was called dirty. I was called by my sin. Look, look at the, look at the, I, I don't know if I'll get through all this message this morning. <laughs> look at the, the, the judgment day over in the book of Revelations. When all of those who are lost stand before the great white throne judgment because they have never been washed in the blood of Jesus. What are they called on judgment day? They are called by what they did in their sin. Adulterers, adulteresses fornicators, liars, thieves. And it says they'll all have their part in the lake of fire. But if you'll put your faith in Jesus, you'll no longer be called by what you did. You'll be called by what He did. And you'll be called the trees of righteousness. Amen. I'm telling you, the gospel is full of hope today for this lost and dying world. What we need to do is give Him Jesus. He's their only hope and He's their only answer. So I see here a visit to the rubble. Number one, Jesus started His earthly ministry and then He commissioned it to us to continue. We are to operate in the same anointing that Jesus operated under in giving Himself to this world. It's not a different spirit. One Lord, one salvation, one spirit, right? One baptism. It's the same gospel. We are to tell them what Jesus told them about himself. Jesus has commissioned us to give this world the gospel. Do you remember what the word gospel actually means by its very definition? Y'all say it with me. Good news. Amen. Good news. Good news. Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. And if you'll put your faith in him, you can have eternal life. Somebody shout amen this morning. All right. So he visited the rubble. He came down to where I was. Emmanuel means God with us. I'm glad that I didn't have to attain unto the height of God. That's the difference between salvation in Jesus Christ and man-made religion. Man-made religion will strive as futile an effort as it is. They will strive to attain to the height of God in their good works and never reach it. That's religion. That's man-made Religion and it'll never work. But salvation is where God rolled up his holy sleeves and said, They can't reach me, but I can surely reach them. And on the cross, whenever the veil was rent from the top to the bottom, it was as if God was saying, Come on in. You can come in through the blood of Jesus and receive forgiveness of your sins. And I got something even better than that. Not only was it an open invitation for us to come in, but he was also removing the veil. 
so that He could come to where we were. Amen. So that the gospel would not only reach His chosen people, Israel, but it would go to the Gentiles and to the four corners of the earth that whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm glad to tell you that this is a whosoever gospel. Amen. I don't care where you've been, what you've done. God will forgive you if you'll call on His name. Don't you let nobody lie to you and tell you that God will not forgive you. Oh, yes, He will. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than your sin. And the Bible says that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. If you've got sin, He's got a whole lot more grace than you ever thought about sinning. Can somebody say amen again? Woo! Mm, I believe I'm going to preach myself happy this morning. <laughs> he had a he paid a visit to the rubble, and that means we got to do the same. Oh, I know we like pretty people. Amen. We like well together people. We like people that seem to have it all together. We like to reach people that we're comfortable around that we can relate to. It's more difficult to go down them dark alleys and shadowy places where people are a little bit dirtier and smellier and more sinful. You you see what I'm saying? We get this aura about us sometimes that comes across to them, and we may not mean it in our heart, but it comes across to them as, as if we're too good for them and they're too rotten for us. Jesus was hated by the religious powers that be because he dared minister to those that they were too good to minister to. He went to the ones that that were completely ignored. Oh, man may have ignored me, but I'm glad Jesus knew right where I was at. And he came for me. And I'm telling you, he'll come for you today. And he'll come for that sinner that you think is so long lost that there's no hope for. Oh, his blood has the power to save today. We've got to go visit the rubble. We've got to go find. He said uh, he came not for the righteous. And it wasn't that he was saying there were some that had righteousness that didn't need him. What he was saying was he, don't, he didn't come for those that don't think they need him. But he did come for those that were lost. So I think the church needs to go into overdrive, finding all the lost people that the rest of them have ignored, rejected, made fun of, criticized, ridiculed. I mean, you know, we, uh, and, and all them people that people run their mouth about and talk about, and them trashy people. Guess what? You were trashy in the eyes of God before God reached down and saved you. I was trashy in the eyes of God before God ever reached down and saved me. We all were. Amen. And we all put our pants on the same way and we're all made of uh, just we're just nothing but glorified mud balls without the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but we need a reality check sometimes and re- remind ourselves that but were, but were it not for the grace of God, we've been the same mess or worse than other people. God wants us to go to the rubble, the broken down, the cast down, the downtrodden. The people with problems. The people with problems too big for you to fix. Yeah, but they'll ask me for a, they'll, they'll go to asking me for something and I don't want to put myself in that position. I'm glad Jesus didn't have that attitude. <laughs> Not only did Jesus know we would ask, He told us to ask. 
And I can't give people everything they need, but I can, I can lead them to the one that can. <laughs> I silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, God's not asking us to uh, give what we can't, but we can give them what we can, and the best thing we can give them is Jesus. Amen. And you can just put a little money in their pocket. You need to do it. It'll help your pride. Amen. <laughs> It'll help you a little bit to help somebody who can't help themselves. I think the definition of character is what do you do for others that can't do anything in return for you. Amen. We need to learn how to love people. Not saying you haven't, but praise God, that's what he told me to preach. <laughs> Uh, I think we can all work on this. We need to visit the rubble. Amen, church? And that's what Jesus did. He visited the rubble. He came to where I was. Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. Now, let me go to number two. <laughs> Verses four and five of Isaiah 61 said, And they shall build the old waste place. Who is they? Well, the ones he just went and saved. Right? In verse 2, though, he proclaimed the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance. Hold on, verse 3. He, he, he went to preach to those that were mourning. He went to preach to those that were of heavy heart. He went to preach to those who were unrighteous. He went to preach to those who were broken down and uh, who were in prison. The, these are the people that, in verse number 4, they build their waste places. Well, what about that? God found purpose for them. What about that? God sees the future in them that you and I can't see. It will blow your mind at the potential of the God's grace added to somebody's life. You may, you may think there's absolutely no point or no use in reaching somebody in your life, but God sees a future that He can give them through the power of His blood, and none of us have the right to deprive them of the opportunity of hearing the good news lest it changes their life like it did ours. God will take the very people that we thought would not be reached and use them to reach others and build up the old waste places. What America needs right now more than anything is some people that will learn how to love others like Jesus loves them. And we can begin to re repair the breaches. We can be begin to become bridge builders and, and fix the divide. Satan came to divide and conquer, but Jesus came to unite and to mobilize. And if the church would quit dividing and splitting up like splinters and getting mad at each other... And getting offended at each other and figuring out, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just go down the road where I can feel comfortable. And, and if we could learn how to get together and actually go down to reach somebody with the gospel, it would blow your mind at what God would do for a church that would do that. We don't just need to visit the rubble. But we need to begin to do what Jesus did. Get a vision to rebuild. <laughs> I like it. When God decided to create the universe, He looked around uh, to figure out what He had to work with. And He didn't have nothing but His Word. <laughs> so He started with nothing but His Word. <laughs> and He said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. And you know what He does nowadays? Uh, he says, I'm going to start me a church. And I'm going to build me a church in Thompson, Georgia that's going to reach their community. But I'm going to start with the brokenhearted. 
I'm going to start with the downcast and the downtrodden. I'm going to start with those that don't have nothing uh, to, to work to give me. I'm, I'm going to start with somebody that can't help themselves. Uh, and I'm going to work with people uh, that will learn how to work with me because I'm going to give them everything they need. Uh, and God will take us, the little church out here in Thompson, Georgia, and reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, if we will realize that that's His mission for us. Somebody say amen. Let us rise up and build. God wants us to reach this community with the hope of the gospel. Listen to this. He who was crushed became a carpenter of men. And he, who, and he took the crust then and made them carpenters of men. <laughs> he was crushed so that he could build us. And then we were crushed, but he reconstructed us. So that we could go build others. The church is not about building buildings with brick and mortar. It's about building up people. It's about building up people in the kingdom of God. Amen. It's about helping people when they're down. It's about praying for people when they're hurt. It's about loving people even when you don't understand them. Even when they get on your very last nerve. Love them anyway. Amen. Love them anyway. The success of our journey will be largely determined by how much of that junk we're willing to ignore. Just don't sweat it. Don't sweat the small stuff. People are going to get on their nerves. People are people. Guess what? You get on their nerves too. <laughs> Am I just being real? It's, it's true, ain't it? It's true. We do get on each other's nerves sometimes. I hope that I'll never tell you when you do. <laughs> Amen. Some of you are like, you better tell me. Anyway, some of you are straight shooters. And you're going to be sure to tell me when I get on your nerves. And that's all right. Some of you, well, we'll just move right on, Lord, before I offend the Spirit. But we got to learn to get along. And there's some things ain't worth, and there's some, I like to put it this way, there's some hills ain't worth dying on. Amen. Is it really important in the grand scheme of things? If the church didn't put the car, color carpet in that you wanted, or if the if, if they bought the wrong brand of toilet paper because the church needed to be more frugal with their money, and they should have bought the cheaper stuff so that we could spread our money. I mean, it's really. I mean, people argue over stuff like this, y'all. I've been in this thing long enough to realize people make mountains out of molehills, right? While the world's lost and dying and going to hell, we're trying to figure out what brand of toilet paper we should buy for the bathrooms. Amen. God wants us to get past all that non-essential stuff, get to where we're functional and lovable, and more importantly, loving. Loving. So we visit the rubbles, rubble places. We get a vision to rebuild. And don't ever give up hope for America. And don't ever give up hope for this community. Because the very second we lose our hope, we lose our vision. And when we lose our vision, the church dies. At no point are we ever given permission to just hang up our heads and say, well, it's just useless. People quit going soul winning because they don't see the point anymore. Well, I've invited them to the church a thousand times. It ain't never come. Well, maybe if you'd change your approach a little bit. Amen. Instead of asking them to come to church, why don't you bring church to them? Amen. Call them up in the midnight when they just lost a loved one and say, I want to just let you know I'm praying for you. Some of you do this, and it's a good practice, but more of us need to do it. 
Amen. Bring church to them. I'm not talking about bringing religion to them. I'm talking about be the church. Love people. And you'll begin to see God win people through acts of kindness, through Christ-likeness. You'll win people. And sooner or later, they may actually take a venture and come up and show up one day at the church and actually hear what this preacher's got to say. And God may just change your life because you started by bringing it to them. It's really just lifestyle evangelism. Is all it is. Just make a habit out of loving people like Jesus loves them. And when you're fixing to give them a piece of your mind, just remember you can't afford to lose any more of it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I can't either. I can't either. I don't give out too much of my mind. <laughs> I'm running on fumes. Amen. <laughs> so there's a uh, visit to the rubble, a visit to rebuild. And I know it's, ooh, one minute till 12. What's the preacher going to do next? I want to finish my sermon. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Number three. Oh, look at the text. I done walked away from my Bible. <laughs> I love this. Verses 6 through 11. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. You didn't realize this, did you? But when you minister to others, you're actually ministering to God. If you've been in Bible study for any length of time, you should know this. Because Jesus said, what have you done to the least of these? You've done it unto me. Ooh, some of us are in trouble. We done mistreated God. Amen. God help us. For your shame, you shall have double... For confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. He's talking about the results of number three, a victorious revival. <laughs> mm, amen. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. This is really, if you look at it and understand it, my understanding of this is a prophetic declaration of the book of Isaiah of the results and consequences of Jesus' earthly ministry. And the church age. This is what's supposed to be happening right now. Amen. Look at it. For I, the Lord, love judgment. Verse 8, I hate robbery for burnt offering, and I will direct their work in truth. Is that not the church? The church is the pillar and ground of truth. I will direct their work in truth. Not in opinion. Not in man-made declarations. Not in organizational structure. As good as all those may be, if they get out of the book, we've got to abandon ship and get back in the book. Amen. I care more about being known as a Bible preacher than I do about being a Southern Baptist preacher. Because if, amen, amen, I don't want to offend anybody. And I love the Southern Baptists because they've done a lot of good for the Lord. A lot of great men of God that have been Southern Baptists. I'm not knocking the denomination but I will knock any denomination that gets out of this book. Amen. So we've got to stick with the script. Because he's going to build it on truth. God ain't up in heaven taking polls and figuring out how, he, how we want him to run things. But we act like he is. Amen. <laughs> I better move. I'm getting stuck in the mud now. Here we go. For I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery. 
uh, I direct the work in truth. I will make an everlasting covenant with him. That's the, co- that's the New Testament covenant made through the blood of Jesus. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles. That's us. Amen. And their offerings among the people, all that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. Amen. Now, I've got a question for you, and don't lie to me. How many of you, just by raising a hand, thought that when my son stood up and they were introduced, they all looked like me? Just raise your hand. Yeah. There is a family resemblance when you're a child of God. You ought to look like your Heavenly Father. And if you don't, there's something wrong. Amen. Somebody will look at you and say, they must have been adopted. <laughs> uh, it's a little funny, but in all actuality, we were adopted. But we are also born. We got the double. He said he would give you double for your trouble. We got the double blessing. Not only am I blood kin, but I'm adopted. Did you know that legally an adopted child cannot be legally disowned? God will never disown you. Once you're his, you're his, baby. But what he wants you to do is he wants you to start looking like him. He wants you to start acting like him. The the phrase, what would Jesus do, is not just a cliche and it's not just a necklace you wear around your neck or wrist. It's something you need to live by. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus react that they that, they, that the world will know that we are the seed which the Lord has blessed? Amen. I, I, y'all, I, and I, I'm not saying this. Don't take this the wrong way. But I could be walking through Walmart with clothes on that I used to paint a house with. Look like a painter. Somebody say, are you a preacher? <laughs> Happened to me, didn't it? Are you a preacher? There is a distinctive characteristic on the face of a child of God that ought to give you away. Peter was around people in that fire. Remember when Peter backslid and went to cussing and denying he knew the Lord? Even in the midst of his cussing, he was trying to hide his identity. He was trying to hide it. But he said, oh no, you look, you look too much like your daddy. You're, you're one of them. He couldn't hide it even in his mess and in his shame. And some of you need to know this. You may be backslid right now, and you know you're a child of God, and you know you ain't where you're supposed to be, but you can't hide it and can't nobody else hide it. They know you where you're supposed to be as well, and you might as well just come back home and make things right with the Lord and get where you belong because you ain't fooling nobody. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so he wants us to do this. He wants us to look like him, act like him, think like him. How do we do that? Well, we get in the Word. We let the Spirit of God teach us. I done lost my outline. <laughs> Amen. I've I, I got to bring it to a close. I'm about there. Number three, a victorious revival. Listen, I'll say it this way. Never. All right, so how many years has this church been here? Who knows the founding year of this church? 1955. All right. So that's 45 plus 21. That's 66 years. Did I do the math right? Okay. About roughly 66 years. We've sown a lot of seed over that time. Would you all agree? How many of you would like to see the harvest that is equivalent to the seed sown? Whoa. What if you had fruit for every effort you made to reach this community? 
Now, <laughs> go to chapter 62. Hold on. Hey, this is going to be worth the wait. Let me make sure I'm in the right spot. Amen. If you're having fun, say amen. All right. All right. I'm about done. Yeah, verse 11 of chapter 61, actually. I'm sorry. Watch this. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden... My page turned. I'm sorry. As the garden causeth the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. I believe that a church that prays right and sows right and gives right and does so faithfully will begin to see the earth bring forth her bud. They will begin to see the garden cause the things that are sown in it to spring forth. Who was it? I was, I was talking uh, to Brother Bob yesterday. He was telling me about they visited. I, what was the name of that desert y'all visited? When it rained, things started blossoming. There you go. He was telling me about there had come a big rain and, and there was seed in the ground that had lied, lain dormant for years. Fifty years. But when the rain came... There was life in the ground, and that desert came to life. Oh, I'm telling you, God knows where every seed is. He knows where every tear that has been cried is. He knows where every seed sown is. He remembers that wayward child that you watched grow up through vacation Bible school and grew up in your Sunday school class, and now they're out in the world, and they're out in sin, and you think unto God, I think that we just wasted our time. But God's seeds are accounted for, and what God's looking for is a church that will believe God to send the latter rain and rain His heaven down on that seed and bring to life the end-time harvest like we've never seen before. For. I believe that time is upon us, and I believe as a church, if we'll continue to sow and water, we'll get, see God give the increase, and we'll see a revival that none of us can take credit for, and we'll have to say all glory and praise belongs to Jesus Christ. If you believe that, shout amen. Oh, that's what I'm looking for right there. A glorious revival that God will begin His work his end time work, because I do believe we're in the last days. So now, chapter 62, verse 6, this is the last two verses I'm going to read, and you'll stand to your feet. God said, I have set a watchman upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silent. Let me read that again. <laughs> Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silent. Now watch. And give Him, who's Him? God, the Lord. And give Him no rest till He establish, until He make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. 
God's looking for somebody that will believe His Word so much uh, that when He's not fulfilling His Word, they say, well, He said it, so I'm going to believe it until He does it. And I'm going to keep preaching it. I'm going to keep sowing it. I'm going to keep shouting it. And I don't care what anybody tells me. I may give my whole life and see no fruit from my labor, but I'm going to believe that my labor is not in vain in the Lord because God's going to send somebody along behind me to water after I've sown. And it don't make no difference if I enjoy the harvest so long as the seeds are sown because it is only God that gives the increase. And it is time for the church to quit their belly aching and quit their whining and quit hanging up their hat and throwing in the towel and quitting and get out and sow seed because God's Word still works in a lost and dying world. God's Word still works. He's still saving sinners. Well, He just ain't saving nobody anymore. Shut up, please. He is too. Amen. Aren't we having fun? It's time for the church to rise. So your assignment is give Him Jesus. If you give Him Jesus, Jesus will take it from there. 